You're listening to Are You Happy Business Podcast on Captivate. Hello, Are You Happy Podcast. I'm here today with Waldo Waldi from Argyle Consulting. Um, he's a CEO and founder of this consulting group. He's been in business for four years now. And prior to that, he was doing other similar things in the industry. He's had a lot of experience. Um, he started off doing he had his regular job and he started on re- resume services and over time it expanded and started to help business with all sorts of things. Um, and right now he's sort of a do it all for businesses. He sets up policies, he expands certain departments if people want it. Um, also does some general counsel, some recruiting. Um, he really does it all. He has a lot of experience in this industry. Um, Waldo, would you mind just taking it away and telling us that your origin story, sort of like how you got here? Sure. Thanks. Um, you know, it's a, it's a long and winding journey. I uh, I grew up in a very small town in Florida, Vero Beach, Florida. And, you know, I worked retail for a good portion of my teenage and younger years. And I ended up working at a warehouse and it was a decent job. It was a good job. But I remember there was uh, one day where uh, a manager talked to me in such a way that I've never been talked to in my life. And, you know, it's the kind of way that if we were on the streets somewhere, like there would be a fight, like you don't talk to other humans like that. And I went home that night and I thought about it a lot. I was like, why does he talk to me like this? And the reason he talked to me like that is because I'm replaceable because I'm easily replaceable. It was a decent paying job and, you know, you didn't need any qualifications. So I said, okay, I have to become the commodity. So later in life, you know, in my late twenties, I decided I am going back to school. So I started the process of uh, going to school to get my bachelor's originally. And I did leave that job. I ended up working at a financial place where I learned a lot about profit and loss, about, you know, certain accounting things, taxes, things like that. And I worked on my bachelor's. And during that time, I actually started part-time working for the Miami Dolphins um, on weekends and on game day. And that was an awesome job, you know, but it was only, you know, 20 days out of the year. Um, But it exposed me to Miami and different people and things like that. So I decided I wanted to be in Miami. I wanted to move to Miami. So as I was finishing up my degree, I decided that I was going to start looking for something in Miami. I found a role with a startup company in Miami, and it was an awesome experience. I went from being like employee number four, number five, to actually becoming the COO eventually of that company. And we started subsidiary companies and we did really well. Um, you know, and then I ended up going back to get my master's degree while I was still in school because I wanted to keep that mindset of always be the commodity, you know, never let it get to a situation where you get too comfortable. And so things went really well for a while. And then um, at one point, the job just got to a situation where I had to personally walk away. It was not, you know, something I ever thought I would. And it was a very hard decision to make. But I did walk away. And then from there, you know, I kind of started my own thing. And then that's how where we are today. My next question to you is, how do you make yourself ir- irreplaceable within your business that you're currently working for, whatever, whatever business it may be? So in a general sense, how do you make yourself that commodity that you're talking about? Sure. So there's several different ways. It depends on what level of business you are. If you're at a lower level, entry level, where you're not getting a lot of opportunities to really show what you can do. It's really just kind of a work ethic thing. And I hate to say that, but 
you know, just make sure that you're there. You're always on time. You're always reliable. If they call you for something, you're good. They, that, um, you know, they can rely on you. And then from there, once you start to get those opportunities, once you start to move up a little bit or get to handle new projects, you have to do things that are better than everybody else. And, you know, I know that sounds kind of vague, but you know, all of us are different. All of us see things in different ways. You know, some people may be excellent readers where they can just mow through a book in an entire day and recall everything. So if you're working in policies, if you're working in things that takes a lot of reading, you know, you might be exceptional at that. You may be a great communicator or or leader. Maybe you'd be good in training and things like that. So you have to kind of find your niche of what you do well and think outside the box and just continue to find ways to make yourself better. You should always, and this isn't even just a work thing. I mean, I always say you should try to go to bed at the end of every day, a better person than you were when you woke up. And that can be simple things from, you know, working on a new skill set, working on, you know, bettering yourself in some little tiny way, learning a new word, you know, anything. So. That's awesome. Uh, I really appreciate that perspective. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what you're doing now in your business? Sure. So right now it's, uh, it's a little random, but the majority of what I'm doing is recruiting. And then I'm offering consults on creating SOPs, employee policies, different things like that. I mostly work with either startups or, you know, small to mid-sized businesses who are growing very fast and they never had an HR person. They've never had, you know, any of these issues that they're now having with growing businesses. So I help them establish all their protocols and processes and of course help them with all their recruiting needs as well. They told me you spent a lot of time on recruiting and general counsel. Do you have any recruiting advice for small business owners? Gosh, a lot. How much time do you have? (laughs) Um, You know, I would say that there's a lot of problems when I meet with clients and we're talking about what their needs are and, you know, how to help them best be successful. I think one of them, the the first and foremost, is that a lot of people are looking for friends. A lot of bosses, you know, there's talks about culture fit and whether someone would fit in with the team here. And that's great. You know, someone should be a fit. But I think too often employers take that as, is this someone I would want to have a beer with? Is this the kind of person who's, you know, going to be someone I can have a a great rapport with and, and, you know, I would want to go hang out with them after work. That shouldn't really be a qualification. Obviously you don't want someone with a horrible personality or someone, you know, who's not nice to be around, but at the same time, there are people who might be a little socially awkward or there might be people who are shy or people who aren't necessarily the kind of person you'd quote, grow, go grab a beer with or something like that. That doesn't mean that they're a bad accountant or a bad customer service person or whatever role you're trying to fill. So I think too often, both consciously and sometimes subconsciously, people have this built-in bias of you know, I want to hire someone who's semi like me. And sometimes that has to do with age. Sometimes that has to do with gender. You know, um, there might be a small operation that's just men and they don't know how a woman would fit in, you know, in those roles. So there's a lot of things like that. And that's actually the benefit of having someone like me who, you know, doesn't have those biases towards those people. I'm not going to be working with them every day, but I can see their skill set and I can you know, figure out whether they'd be a good asset or not. So I'd say that's, that's the big, big one. I think Um, the other is that larger companies as they grow, 
they don't give human resources the credit and the respect that they deserve because if they did like someone like me wouldn't exist um a lot of times people can't see the ROI on HR, whereas the sales team goes out, they make money. They understand you know, the ROI on that, but they don't understand why they need a chief human resource officer, uh, HR generalist, why they need all these people to just process payroll in their mind you know, and hire and fire people. But what those people really are is they're the gatekeepers to your business. They are the people who are deciding we're bringing in the people that are going to help us grow and get to all these goals. It's one of the most important jobs in the company. And so a lot of times those roles are giving, given to people who are just out of college, um, lower paying jobs. And while that's fine to give those people a chance, if you don't have someone a little more experienced who knows a little bit more about life and business and knows how to ask the right questions and dissect answers as they're given to you, then you know you're doing your company a disservice because that younger person who doesn't maybe have a lot to go on they're just going based off their own feel and whether they like the candidate or not so appreciate that answer um on the flip side you've worked on resumes for people and you're obviously doing a lot of work in recruiting but um i guess for young people specifically um how can they best um go through interviewing processes and make the most of their experiences that they already have and trying to find jobs. Um, a lot of kids are fresh out of college or struggling. They're applying to hundreds of jobs and maybe won't even hear it back. Um, yeah. Is there any advice you can offer those people? You know, I, I wish I could give some golden ticket answer, but honestly, it's brutal out there. It's really, really bad. And there's a number of reasons why. First of all, applicant tracking software has become the new norm to where now everybody can click one button and apply to a job. So you see a job that was posted eight hours ago and there's 1200 applicants, you know, you're a number in the system. So sometimes people take it personal, right? If I'm not hearing back, if, you know, no one's calling me, maybe it's me, maybe there's something wrong with my resume. And while it's good to have your resume reviewed by a professional and make sure that it's tightened up, I mean, it's, it's usually not you. It's usually, it's the system. It's, the fact that there's 1,200, 2,000 applicants in there and they only pull, I've, I've done recruiting, you know, you pull the top 10, 20, you go through, you call those people, you set them up for screeners. If you don't love them, then you pull another 10, 20, but there's no way you're going to go through 2,000 applicants. And the ATS software is built in such a way where it'll try to do some of that job for you and look for keywords. But most of us are smart enough now. We put those keywords in our resume. You know, if you're applying for an accounting job and it doesn't say accounting anywhere on your resume, the ATS system isn't gonna, you know, give you a thumbs up. Um, so the only thing I can really say is be persistent. And the real key is network. Um, network, 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 get on LinkedIn, have, you know, 2000 connections, 3000 connections, and reach out to those networks, especially if you find people in your industry, you know, whatever it is, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're in retail, go find those people on LinkedIn and connect with those people. Like, that's the best advice I can give because the system is very broken right now. I appreciate that advice. I honestly didn't know about the ATS systems that you're even talking about. So it's good to just be aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so is that a piece of advice you'd give as well to include those keywords into someone's resume? Like say, um, you can maybe make use of like ChatGPT 
and yes. yeah and like maybe copy the job description and copy a resume and see how um ChatGPT could include the parts of the job description into your resume yeah so i've actually been using chat a lot for my own purposes and it's crazy uh the things that it can do and so if you go into ChatGPT and you know how to use it, instead of just saying, type me a resume, if you say, I'm looking for an accounting job that has three to five years experience, my experience is that, and you can upload your current resume and it will say, please take all of this information and format it to get a job that highlights this skill, this skill, and this skill. Like it will do a pretty good job. Um, you know, still I recommend obviously, you know, have a professional review your resume. But outside of that, you know, definitely make sure that your resume is semi-tailored to what you're doing. It's it's hard. They they used to give the advice of make sure every single resume that you submit is tailored towards that specific job. But we just can't you would you would go insane because you could apply for 20 jobs a day and that would take you just forever. So you know, you just got to make it as best as possible towards the target jobs that you're trying to get. Um, just to wrap up this conversation on recruit, uh, like recruiting, getting jobs. Um, is there any like uh, websites or services you recommend um, for people looking for jobs that are like maybe don't have all the experience yet? They're maybe in their mid twenties, early twenties. Um, do you recommend they hire like a recruiter agency for them? Um, to help connect them with people? What are some things that? Um, not, not really an agency. I would say 10 years ago, the answer would be yes. So a lot of it has changed. It used to be you could hire headhunters where you could go to someone and say, listen, here's my resume. Here's what I do. I'm fresh out of school, but I'm looking for something. And they might charge you a five to 10% placement fee of your first year salary, and they would find you something. But now recruiting agencies have become so giant because that's where all the money is. So instead of getting a few thousand dollars off somebody out of college, they can now get $20,000, $30,000 higher. Even I know recruiting agencies that charge $100,000 a higher. Now, granted, those are C-level executive positions, but the point is all the money is now on the recruiting side working for the company. So you have large companies, I'm not going to name drop them, but you have a lot of large companies that contact you about potential jobs and things like that. They're just looking to build their database with extra resumes in there. And then they go search for it when they do have a client looking for something. And sure, maybe they find you in that stack, but they've actually contributed to the problem because they put a bunch of fake job postings that aren't really open, but it's just, they know they'll have to fill those at some point. So um, the only thing I, I can say is, you know, LinkedIn, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, you know, they're, they're all great. Um, they all have different purposes and it's, you know, you just gotta, gotta stay at it and keep networking. Unfortunately, you know, like I said, I wish it was an easy answer, but there's not. Just throw your name into as many as you can, because it's all a numbers game at that point. There's thousands of people and it really is. There's only, it's all a small chance that they'll find you in that mix, but the more you apply to the better. And I I think, I think you're, what my biggest takeaway is to, um, do that, but also focus on like networking through LinkedIn and other ways as well. Um, my next question is because you, you do have a lot of experience in recruiting. Do you have any advice for small businesses on how to uh, retain employees um, despite not being able to pay them like a fixed salary? Sure. Um, you retain like basically retain part-time employees 
um, without giving them obviously equity. Yep. So you have to think that everybody wants something, right? Like some of us hopefully love our jobs, you know, if we're lucky enough, but everybody wants something. Most people, it's a paycheck, you know, they want a certain amount uh, of money to come to work. Other people, they may have kids or family situations, so they need flexibility with their schedule. Uh, Other people would love perks like tuition reimbursements, you know, some people need health benefits. So it's different for every person. There's not a one size fit all, but If you are a smaller company and you're like, okay, I can't afford what the market rate is, you know, I can't really afford certain things, you have to be more flexible on other things. So does that person have the ability to work remote? Is it something where, you know, they can work their own hours or their things like that? So the more that you fall below that market minimum of what that job typically pays or what it offers as far as benefits and compensation in total, the more flexible you have to be. If you're someone who says, no, I need someone on site Monday through Friday at these hours, but then I'm not willing to pay, you know, what the market rate is, then you're, you're just injuring yourself and you know, you're the problem. You are yeah, the- not being competitive with other part- right. other people in your niche. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. And I guess you're preaching to to have more customization of like um, payment and benefits for people. I think you see it a lot. I think you see it a lot with uh, younger CEOs and and startups because they understand, they understand the culture. They understand that things are important and it's important to be flexible. Um, Whereas some of the older generation who, that's actually why, you know, the book, you know, your father's boss is dead. That's actually why it's titled that is because you know, the guy that your dad went to work for is dead. He's he's no longer around. And that, you know, be here every day on the dot at this time, no flexibility, say, thank you, sir, may I have another? And, you know, just wait for us to give you something like that doesn't work anymore. You know, those jobs also came with pensions and a lot of other different things, you know, so it's it's a completely different world now that we live in. So you have to be flexible. You have to think, am I doing this for ego or because it's just always how it's been? Or am I doing this because it's a benefit to my company? I'm glad you brought that up. You have a new book that came out a couple of years back called Your Father's Boss is Dead, Surviving and Succeeding in a Modern World. Is there any other um, big uh, like themes of the book that we haven't yet covered that you can mention? Um, you know, it's, it's not just about work. It's about life. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people, you know, we get stuck in our heads and sometimes we have unconscious bias. Sometimes we don't even think about how other people perceive our actions or our words and different things. And so it's really just, um, a bit of a guidebook to get through the day every day and whether it be at work or in your personal life and just some of the things that you can do to kind of improve your mindset, improve your odds of being successful at whatever it is, you know, you decide to tackle. So. Oh, so it's more of like something you read day to day just to get you through what you're like your work day. And yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of good advice for leaders, for people who are aspirational leaders about what to do when you get there, um, how to manage people, you know, different tactics and different advice and things like that. So how do you, how do you market yourself and your business? Are you on LinkedIn as well? Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn. Um, most of my business actually comes through word of mouth right now and previous uh, repeat customers and things like that, uh, small networking events, things like that. And that's where I'm actually at this pause right now, because I'm either going to dump a ton of money into SEO and start 
you know, really trying to scale up the business or I'm going to return to the corporate world. And right now I'm actually have my foot more in the second category um, just because of all the things that I do well. I think it's very important to realize what you don't do well or what you don't enjoy doing. And sales and prospecting has never been that for me. So I don't enjoy going out and trying to get new clients and things like that. You know, I love the job. I love working with those clients. And that's what's leaning me towards, you know, going back to the the corporate world and finding something like that. So, I mean, yeah, you have a lot to offer now. So hopefully um, you can find something that works for you and you have a good work-life balance and the payments, right? Because I think all these years that you've been outside of the corporate world, you've been able to learn a lot of new skills that you necessarily might not necessarily have learned if you were like locked in on a corporate job. Yeah. And I got to work with a lot of businesses. So, you know, I got a little bit of all these different industries. I've worked in it. I've worked in, you know, insurance a little bit, like all kinds of different things. So have you, have you um, considered potentially doing a part-time corporate job and then having your business continue part-time because you're still getting a lot of referrals, right? Yeah. I mean that, that would depend on what the role is. If it was something with, like you said, a work-life balance that was super easy to uh, maintain, then I would consider it, but I would never want to do anything that would jeopardize my time and responsibility to, you know, a corporate job that decides, Hey, we want you to be our COO or we want you to like that. That would have to be my first priority. And so it would be, it would be hard to take on, you know, larger projects on the side. Definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, it was very nice talking to you all though. If there's anything else that, um, from your book or anything else that you want to mention, um, maybe some advice you can give to young CEOs, um, feel free to, to add that. Sure. Now. Sure. Um, I would just say, you know, the three things I always say is be kind, be diligent and be epic. Like just, you know, don't worry about the rules. Don't worry about the status quo. Just be true to yourself and be good to people. I find that if you're good to people, of the rest doesn't matter. Oh, I like that. I like that piece of advice. I'm going to ask that question at the end of my interviews more often because I feel like it it gives people the floor to give their best piece of advice that they have. Um, Thank you, Waldo. I appreciate your time. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. Would you mind sharing with our audience where they can reach you or your book? Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Waldo Waldi, W-A-L-D-I-E is my last name. And then again, the book can be, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere where you can get books. Uh, again, it's your father's boss is dead, surviving and succeeding in the modern world. There's also an audio book, which was, I, I think, you know, came out awesome. Uh, we got a great voice actor and producer to put together the audio book. And so if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't read, the audio book is there for you as well. Thank you so much, Waldo. I really appreciate your time today. Yep, no problem. 